I am so, so excited to talk to this new guest. Like, she is an amazing singer. She's based in D.C. I consider her a Facebook friend, artist friend, friend of mine, Carly Harvey. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. So let's tell the, the audience a little bit about you. Based out of Washington, D.C., Carly Harvey combines blues, jazz, soul, and indigenous American styles to produce a unique sound. I just have to say, you know, I've listened to your music before. I'm just like, you are such an inspiration, right? Carly's grandmother is Black and Mexican. Spanglish was super important all her life. And she also listened to Latin music and uh, food was also a big part of her life. Carly identifies as Afro-Indigenous and deeply connects with the indigeneity of her Mexican side. Carly is a three-time DC Blues Society Battle of the Bands winner and was proclaimed this is Queen of the Blues in 2016 by Dr. Nick Johnson of WPFW Radio. In 2021, Carly was nominated seven times and won the WAMI Award for Best Blues Artist Band. Pushing down on me Is there more compassion for Someone whose skin is Wow. I mean, what else? Let's <laughs> talk about this native scat. How was that born? Where did you get that inspiration? I'd been talking with a few friends and the, you know, native community between D.C. and Baltimore. And I was like, well, I know that we hear nuances of native music and blues and how do we like so people were like you know carly could you do a master class on the origin of blues and i'm like well we have to include indigeneity if we do that and so i was trying to find the right way to approach it and um i started like listening to a couple one of my friends uh, he plays uh, a flute really well and he's also a blues player like a like a piedmont blues style player he's Lakota and Lumbee and while listening to him play the flute I was like oh when I scat I already do these things like there's certain ways the flute like you know like within that um uh, minor pentatonic scale and I was like oh I was like wait a minute when I scat I scat like the native flute like which I grew up listening to whether it's like you know North American or South American, like from the Andes, whatever I was doing, it was like heavily influenced by hearing flute music, like, and that just being part of me. So I was like, oh, I already scat like this. So I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And then um, one day I started like just like scatting, and all of a sudden, like these native vocables started fusing with it. And I was like, oh, this is cool. So I had my hand drum. And I, so sometimes because it's how I connect with the earth and like just get grounded in many, many indigenous cultures, you know, we believe that Androm is the beat of Mother Earth, right? Mm -hmm. Because it comes yeah. from the height of the animal. And when, you know, we either eat him or repurpose whatever for our needs, the rest that goes back into the earth, um, that's like the connection there. 
So I play my hand drum and I like meditate and like chant a little. And that's how I connect with my ancestors and just the space around me. And so I just started like scatting and then like fusing native vocal bowls. And I was like, oh, I feel really good when I do this. Just feels good. And so I started doing it more when I meditate. And then, of course, when I'm singing, I say this to my students too, like singers are, when you see us close our eyes, we are connecting to become one with the music. It's not like a like a thing people do as a perform, <laughs> like this performing, like what time is it, right? Yeah. Like, there's the moment where you have to close your eyes. You have to be introspective so that everything is aligned. Like it's in the right timing. It's in the right frequency. And so, of course, when people scat, they must do that to improvise. And one day I was on stage and I just started like native scatting. And I was like, oh, I was like, and I was like, it's finally feel like I'm doing with me. It was a very organic process and very like just natural to me. And I think a really beautiful fusion of my cultures. Like, and I think since I was very young, I've had this calling to especially amplify the voices of Afro-Indigenous people who like, you know. I know. Yeah. And we can talk about it more for because, you know, like we're here for that. And by the way, I think like, I'm going to have to take a class of yours because that what you're talking about, what you're telling your students, that just sounds amazing. Well, I can give you a little tiny peek. It's one of the most prominent, like four things that happens. And that is that this is the blue scale. Right. And the minor pentatonic scale is... It's just one extra note. There's one note missing. The blue scale is just based on that minor pentatonic scale. And so if you hear like Native American lullabies, I don't know if you've ever heard any of them, but one my mom used to sing to me. Um, It's not from our tribe, actually, or her tribal mm-hmm. affiliation. It's not a Salagi song. But her cousins used to sing it. And I think like, you know, just intermixing of tribes, you get to sing yeah. a song. It's like, And that's totally just a minor pentatonic. Like, and then you could like, you could do a jazz, jazz, jazz based on the blue scale, the blue scale based on that minor pentatonic scale. So that's how they kind of all connect. That is so beautiful. That is amazing. So you said that your roots are very important. Talk to me about your indigenous roots, but also, you know, like that combination of being like Mexican natives and, you know, like how did that food and music and language play a role in like becoming like who you are today? Yeah. So I think as far as the Mexican side, there was a lot of like resistance there. And I think that I think both Afro-Indigenous, Afro-Latinx people kind of get a similar experience where like when I was a kid, 
like Dominican kids or Puerto Rican kids, if you're darker skinned, it was like you were expected to act black and nobody was expecting you to have any other culture. So like my grandmother did not like speak Spanish. She spoke English to us. And my dad was like teaching me like words here and there, like how to curse the kids out or mean to me. Like <laughs> the Spanish oh, wasn't for all that me. <laughs> Because it wasn't like coming from my grandmother. It was coming from my dad being like, okay, just don't forget this part of you. And and we can have this too. And some, I remember, ooh, it's going to make me cry. One day, like, kids were like really mean about my hair. Because I have like different textures of curly hair. Some of like bigger curls. And I have some very much smaller curls from the back of my head. And, um, and I went to my dad and I was like, I just wish I had hair like, grandma or your sister or I wish I had hair like you know other people because that felt like it made me feel disconnected from all the parts of my culture that I appreciated and my dad was like you know Puerto Rican women have hair like yours Dominican people have hair like yours Cuban people have hair like yours did it just make and that's okay you have beautiful hair and my dad like there were some issues like he was definitely like trouble that we had some domestic abuse in the house but there were moments when it came to music and culture that my dad was like my champion in that way so yeah I think you know my grandmother was kind of in this space of like assimilation and my dad was like let's eat some Mexican food or he would like really emphasize that or ask her to like make us mole or make us like arroz con pollo or something. Which, And when as a kid, I was like, this is kind of indigenous food. Like we're saying it's Mexican food. This is indigenous food. But they were like, no, you know, like it's kind of like people were separate themselves from indigeneity. Isn't that funny? That shouldn't be. And like, first of all, families are complicated and uh, it's beautiful that you're your father was able to be there for you for those situations. And what he's saying is it's right. And it's a pity that being in the United States, you know, like you, you do learn those stories, right? That you had to assimilate. You're either black or white from the United States. You're, you're American. And then that's about it. Um, yeah. I think it has changed a little with like these newer generations. But for like older, for like older people and like, you know, like older millennials and like people like that, it was um, it was really hard. You know, like those stories really make an impact on you. And what you say is really true. You know, like I am Colombian, but I do see the similarities of, you know, like the indigenous peoples and like the amount of things that we connect with each other. And that should be celebrated. We should not be dividing. It's, you know, it's fine. You should be proud of the roots that you have and it is it's great that you can connect with your culture but you should build bridges because in the end like we're all we all have so many similar stories and so much more in common that we actually realize yeah yeah i mean totally my grandmother was she would always say like oh well yeah we're mexican but you know we're from spain we can trace our name back to spain like everybody can say they yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody. And that and that's unfortunately that that's a colonized mentality and it's not specific from like people from Mexico. You know, like it happens a lot in America a lot, right? Like and even though um, you know, like the racism that you see might not be as 
matches in your face or like in a different way as it is here in the United States. There is no such thing as Black Lives Matter movements in Latin America, for example. But it is there. Like it is so there, right? Like the communities that are so much more affected by climate change and by poverty and by lack of resources are, you know, Afro-Latinos. And so the majority of resources are going towards the white and the mestizo populations, right? And so um, your grandma is just another victim of that colonized mentality. Yeah. And for that, like, I never had any, like, animosity or anger. I just, I decided for myself that I wasn't going to let anybody tell me who I was. And for that much, because my grandmother, and she did identify as, she would say, I'm a person of color, <laughs> you know, and if anybody tried to put labels on me, she would say, don't, don't talk to my granddaughter that way. She has a different purpose and she identifies. Differently. So I think even that is progressive in the society where like people were definitely like, you make a choice and you live that choice. And she kind of was doing that, but at the same time, encouraging me to take a different route. So I would Never had the popular opinion in school, like, you know, like in school, people were like, you just don't want to be black or like, you're not Mexican or you're not one of us. I would like if I was hanging out with the Latino kids, they were like, you're not really one of us. And I was like, well, not really, not culturally, but it's in my DNA and I want to know more. I want to be in this space and you kind of feel like unwelcome. And then the black kids are like, you're acting different and you think you're better because whatever reason, whether it's your hair is different or your family is lighter, you think it's so, then you feel like rejected there. And then where's the population of Native people? You can only find them if you go to the powwow. So powwow season was like, I was going to powwow and just hang out with a bunch of people, which I found powwows to be like, I don't know, a safe space. Because you saw all the like types of people, mixed Natives, we're not going to say, like, I don't know, I I think the term full-blooded is very dangerous. It's very problematic. Yeah. Highly problematic because we don't do blood quantum for Black people, right? Obama, President Obama, he's half Black, half white. They say he's the first Black president. Nobody's doing blood quantum when it comes to that. And he is expected to, like, be the representative, the champion for the Black community, right? Right. He's not the representative for white people. Exactly. Right. So we're not doing, we can't be cherry pickers here. People's identity is complicated and nuanced. And so when you place value on full-blooded versus someone who's a quarter or has two mixed parents, such as myself, what you're saying is the higher your blood the more superior you are. So now you're ingraining mentalities of supremacy and you're saying these people are more valuable. And I can tell you, even especially, I have some friends who are like, oh, I know this girl and she's full-blooded and everything. You, you guys would love each other. I'm not going to like this person if she's full-blooded. I'm going to like her if she's a good person. Duh. And I know that there's like no harm meant in it because that's what, People are taught, like, as a society, like, that's an acceptable thing to say. And I think they don't even, they don't even realize how harmful it is. Because then the sovereignty of nations depends on blood quantum, mm -hmm. right? 
And so then people who are in fear of their sovereignty being jeopardized, they start using supremacy to oppress mixed race natives too. And then then we have these whole problems that we have now. Girl, girl, I mean, you're talking, you're, yeah, you're preaching to the choir, you're, pro- you're speaking truth. We actually had a, 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 our first guest, uh, a Latina, who felt the same way as you. Like, just feeling like, ni de aquí, ni de allá, that's what she said. You're not feeling like you belong here and you don't belong there. So those experiences are not only assigned to fair-skinned people. You know, like, they forget about the other people who are here who might, you know, who might not look Latina enough, right? But who are still, you know, who still have that heritage. And so they, you didn't have a voice to express yourself. So... But now you have this amazing platform as an artist, and I want to learn about this more. I, wanna, I want you to tell us what it is like to be an independent artist. And, you know, I follow you on Facebook. I follow you on social media. And um, I really like what you said there about how people tend to assume that just because you are an independent artist that you're not really successful, right? And you are proof that that is not truth. That is not true at all. You are always on tour. You are performing all the time. You just told me that you have a show tonight. You just came back from, you know, like touring around the U.S. So tell us about that experience and how did you start and how are you making it possible? Uh, well, I'm a Virgo with the Capricorn moons. I'm very driven. And especially when somebody tells me no, I'm like, mm, okay. So I wish that wasn't my motivation, but I think when I first started, I was very idealistic. I was like, well, I'm an amazing singer. I studied music in school. I've been singing for all these years. I have this experience. So eventually, like the law of, of inevitability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. And this trajectory that I wanted, and it took actually some people being kind of fucked up toward me, like some people in the industry, like, you watch the people that they're booking, and then it's not good to compare yourself, right? But sometimes when you're in my skin and you see who the like who are they hiring to open for the national acts, what's the quality of the music? And then you compare that to your quality and you're like, Are you what if yeah what's it happening? Yeah. And um just also different individuals like intending to sabotage you because they don't want to see you excel. I've experienced that too and just had to do a lot of healing from that because what I ended up doing was like buying into this idea that maybe in this lifetime I'm not meant for great things because all these people are trying to tell me I belong down here or behind them and in this box. And don't get me wrong, I think I still have those moments, but after I process that i think it's healthy to acknowledge your feelings yeah. before you get back up get up and dust it off what happens before you dust it off what happens as you in the process of standing up you have to like self-reflect and heal and i think um so part of it was at one point i was going about it the wrong way because i was trying to prove some people wrong but that's all part of the journey yeah. the rest of the journey is discovering yourself, discovering yeah. actually who you are and starting to love that unconditionally. And so I'm highly motivated and I just 
those doors that won't open, I keep knocking or you make your own path because I come from very resilient people. <laughs> That's in my DNA. I make my own door. I make my own path. Where there yeah. You speak truth to, to that, though. Like, I think, you know, especially for like people of color and minorities, Latinas, like you see the demographics that are being hired, right? And then you see, you think to yourself, what is going on, right? Let's go and <laughs> Yes. That should be a song, Carly. Maybe you and I should record that song. What's going on? Tell me. <laughs> we could do like a different verses based on Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. We could just like change the lyrics and correct it into the music industry. Yes. Perfect. And I, I do have frustrations in the music industry. And so because getting discovered or like all that stuff, it doesn't mean what it used to mean. That used to be really, really beneficial to artists. And now it's like somebody just owns your royalty. And if you don't get a good deal, somebody owns your royalties for a really long time. I mean, you see things like what Taylor Swift is going through. Somebody can just buy your catalog and they yeah. can see royalties for songs you wrote. Yeah. I own my music. I the the songs that I put out, if I'm doing covers, of course, I will, you know, pay the copyrights for that. But most of my albums are I have one song out that's like a cover and everything else is original as far as my blues content. I have like an a Euro EDM project with a producer in Italy and we have done song covers of songs. We just released one called uh, it's um Nina Simone's Just Say I Love Him, which is based on an Italian classic song called Dici Dincello Vuie. So um, hopefully we'll be coming out with the Italian version of that soon. But most of my blues content is, is original music and I own everything. Nobody is coming to collect anything but me. And although I get some good streams, all those cents. Oh my God. Yeah, well... You have to share your point three cents with like a label or like a manager and people are vultures out here. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like to me for my survival, I mean, in order to do what I do to make a living, I have to be an independent artist. I don't really, unless like some label offers me a really great deal, like you can collect on my royalties for three years. And then after that, it's all mine. Like, and it's to be really laid out very clearly. I get a deal like that. Great. Because having a label make festivals and other entities of the industry take you more seriously. They always have great PR and radio attached to it. So there's benefits, but I'll just hire my own PR people. And, you know, yeah. unless I get a good deal like that, it's just... Yeah. I will, I'll be an independent artist forever. I think, you know, what you're doing is great. And uh, you're just standing up for yourself. And I totally get it, right? Like, it's, uh, it's not easy in terms of, you know, like, the amount of money that you make as an independent artist or just as an artist. Like, you know, like, people will take advantage of you um, if you don't know the, you know, like, the small letters in the contract that like, you can get in a really bad situation and so um it takes a lot of hats to be to be independent i want to ask about what is it that you want to 
give in terms of advice for Latinas and people of color, like people who didn't have a chance and an opportunity to to really, uh, you know, like explore their heritage? Like, what would you like them to know? What what advice would you give them to to thrive and to, you know, like to learn to be themselves? Well, why? There's more people than you know, just like you, doing what you do, working hard like you do. And just because you don't see them, they're not there. So that's the first thing I think. Representation is really important. And sometimes when you don't see someone like you thriving, it's like saying without saying words that like maybe your path is going to be a little bit harder. And it doesn't have to be. And we can break generational curses of unworthiness, of not belonging. We can choose, you know, a different path than, you know, who our ancestors had to be while in survival modes. Um, we can choose a different trajectory and a little so long-winded sometimes. It's so packed. Yeah. But <laughs> I... Anybody who is being quiet about their indigeneity and maybe not acknowledging it or feeling like they don't belong in that space, I know there's going to be fights, but the indigenous community needs to fight until we are unified. And with certain political parties having the fear that the Latinos are going to be the majority population in X amount of years. If those people embrace their indigeneity, then what we're going to see is the country become what Turtle Island should be in the first place, right? We have colonized countries like India. When you go to India, the Indian face. You go to China, you go to Hong Kong, you see Chinese face. That does not happen when you come to the United States. So the real fear is that indigenous people will take their land back. That's what I want to see. Yeah. See us all feel unified and whatever your blood quotient, quotient or blood tongue is, that doesn't matter. How you yeah. embrace your indigeneity and take back what someone tried to steal from you. Mm -hmm. Embrace that. And it doesn't have to be like obvious in your music, but just in your presence and, and, and who you are. You deserve to be in that space. I love it. I mean, that's, that's, that's how it should be, really. Embracing each other, respecting each other accepting who we really are and then that's it like it it, it it should be that easy really exaggerate your features in an ugly way turn your culture into a mascot also vaguely a stupid fucking game make the team orange slurred words meant to demean and mock the bounty on your head what if they skinned you alive just because your skin was red? So we were talking about you wanted to make sure that, you know, like people know that there are more of us out there, more of you out there, that you don't have to say it in your music, right? You don't have to, you don't, if you don't want to be vocal about it, but within yourself, like, you know, express who you are fully, right? Those, those were your words. Yes. In particular, I have a friend, she's from Ecuador, and her mom is like of Greek descent, and her dad is like very, very obviously indigenous, like, and his, his skin is a little like darker than mine. And she said to me, I always feel like I don't have the right to take up space there. 
like, but I want to know more about my indigenous culture. And um, I forget the indigenous um, language, but her daughter is now learning some of the language. And it's just so beautiful. And I was like, no, take up the space. Blood quantum does, or like all that does is help to erase us. You know, that's all it does. So I'm like, yeah, you have the right to take back what was taken from you, even if your family chose not to like live culturally in those mm-hmm. ways. That means culturally you didn't have an indigenous experience, but, yeah. you know, per se, but an indigenous experience can be that your family rejected it in order to survive. Yeah. Well, that's what they felt they had to do to survive. And so that is still an indigenous experience. And you can go back and learn with grades. Like I would say some people are like, well, now that I know who I am, now it's going to be in all the movies, you know, small little things like just learning the language and just acknowledging that part of you, acknowledge your ancestors that they really want to be acknowledged. And here I am just waiting for you to come home to me. (laughs) (laughs) And so when it comes to music, of course, like, some people said to me, like, maybe you should wear your regalia on stage. And I was like, why would I do that? If this is not a gimmick. Right. I mean, and it's like, it's up to you. I mean, like, nobody decides, like, what. And, but there, there will always be people like that, right? Like, they will tell you, like, they will tell you what you should do. And they will tell you what you shouldn't do. But I want to tell you one thing, too, Carly. Because when I approached you to have this conversation about being a Latina, right? Because to me, you have Latina heritage, you have Mexican heritage. You were uncomfortable and you did not want to take up that space. And I'm glad you did. And I'm so glad you you are here and you are talking to me about this because your experience is so important. And somebody out there might have gone through the same that you did. And you talking about this will help them empower them through their journey. And it's important. And I'm so glad that you took that space. And I am so honored to be one of the people to hear about your story. Thank you for that. You know, um, as much as I'm, I'm preaching here about taking up space, you know, I always like to be respectful of like the other extreme. Like, because one, ex- one extreme is like, welcome, you're here, you're part of us. And the other extreme is like complete rejection. And that is like, it can feel devastating when it's attached to your identity. Like one day in the store, which I know I haven't really like spoken any Spanish or Spanglish with you on this podcast, but there was um, a worker in the market near my house and um, he was, I don't know, there was a, I live in Chevy Chase, D.C. I'll just say that. Okay. Okay. Get the help she needed from this worker. And so I tried to help in Spanish. And instead of responding to her, he looked at me and in English said, how come you speak Spanish? I was like, what do you mean? How come I speak Spanish? I was like, Afro-Latinos exist. Exist. Have you seen one before? Like, (laughs) It looks like they haven't. I mean, like they haven't. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they they think that just because it's either like you're like you're black African-American, Black person from the United States, and that's it. Like, there is, like, they cannot comprehend <laughs> that there are Black people in Latin America as well. Like, and then there, and there are people who are here with Black heritage who will speak Spanish as well. 
Yeah, I mean, like, Celia Cruz. <laughs> like, what did you guys think was going on there? <laughs> there you go. I mean, like, just say Celia Cruz next time. Next time somebody asks that, like, Celia Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that, that is the explanation. Carly, so we have to say goodbye, but what is that one last thing that you want people to know about you? About me? Well, I'm glowing up and continuing to grow, glow and thrive. I'm currently recording an album and it is being funded by sponsors. I will do launch, I will launch crowdfunding campaign probably at the end of this week. This is the end of this week. Okay. <laughs> it, is the end of the, it is the end of the week. Yeah. But hey, I forgot about this, this one particular thing that I wanted to ask. You are a class member of the Academy of 2023. What does that mean, girl? I want to know. Congratulations. What? Well, I'm definitely going to nominate myself for a Grammy because blues is all the Grammy ballad. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, just, and I mean, I've already gotten like so many like networking opportunities. And so that's like a whole new phase for me. And I'm definitely going to start attending the Grammys and just because when you know where you want to go, you have to put yourself in that space, like, you know, and let that frequency like surround you. For example, I went to the Big Blues Bender last year and I paid my money to go, but also I was doing lots of things out into the industry and I did not beg to be on this festival. I was called. Somebody called me mm. and now I'm playing that festival in September. Same thing for the waterfront blues festival i went last year as a spectator i was booked for it before covid and then the lineups kind of just got backed up so they hadn't had me on the roster i played it this year and i got a standing ovation at that festival as you should as you should it was just phenomenal so yeah so i'm in the middle of a glow up and it's because i i think i'm finally aligned one with where my ancestors want me to be. No hiding, no shame, and just completely authentically putting out my music without the attachment of trying to prove somebody wrong or to outdo a person who did something bad to me. I'm just, I have my, my racehorse goggles on and I'm looking toward my old goals right now and only focusing there, not looking anywhere else. All while, like, really understanding singers, musicians, we are conduits of joy and light. People get healed when they come see us. And for us, it's like, oh, we're just, I'm just doing what I love to do. And for the people watching, they need it. They need what we do. And so I'm also just embracing the understanding of that's part of my job, too. That is part of your job, and you are doing an amazing job, Carly, and I cannot wait to hear more about Carly Harvey, and this cannot be the only time that you come to Latinas Be Like Us, because oh, you are Latina, that. Latinas Be Like Us. Uh, Carly, where can it, people listen to you before we say goodbye? Oh, I'm on Spotify, Instagram, I mean, not Instagram, what's, I'm getting old. <laughs> I mean, yes, you are on Instagram too. Your music is on Instagram now, right? 
Yes, tell the sponsors. Yes, follow me on Instagram at Carly H Music. You spell Carly like Carly Simon, Harvey just like Steve Harvey, no relation. Um, and and I think that yeah, the more followers I have on social media, the more um seriously the sponsors take me um as like an investment. So if all everyone listening could just go to Instagram, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Carly H Music and Carly Harvey Music on Facebook. That would be a tremendous help. Okay. This album died. You heard the lady. Go to go to Instagram, go to TikTok, go to Spotify right now and play Carly Harvey like we're going to do just now. Thank you, Carly. Thank you. Oh my God, you are amazing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Latinas Be Like Us. Remember to subscribe wherever you are listening. And to learn more or leave a donation, please go to our website, latinasbelikeus.com. See you next time.